Welcome to Talking Heads on USA Global TV, starring the one and only wonderful Dr. Jacqueline. It's a prestigious place where world-class influencers and experts meet, and where you'll find the most trusted advisors and coaches for all things in life and business. Visit usaglobaltv.com to sign up for our newsletter, get the value you need, and be first in line to learn about events and giveaways and other valuable content. Connect with us. Email Dr. Jacqueline at usaglobaltv.com to talk about how you can become part of USA Global TV. That's USA Global TV, where the doctor is always in. Hello, everyone. A warm welcome wherever you are joining us from in the world. This is USA Global TV and Radio. I'm Dr. Jacqueline Kerbeck. I'm the president, founder, and chief listening officer here at our network, where we currently have over 25 live broadcasts each and every week. Each one is a different topic, usually with a different co-host and somebody from a different part of the world. Super special. Our show today is The Wise Ones, and our topic is writing addictive fiction with best-selling author J.P. McLean. And she's been here before. I'm super excited to welcome her back. She actually was on the Corner Bookstore. So before we bring her out, let's welcome the star of our show, Mr. Red O'Loughlin. We spend a lot of time together virtually. We are actually finishing up my third book, which will be released on the 14th. It's something I co-authored with Mariska Dupree. Red is a big part of our platform here. He just was our esteemed judge on the Spelling Bee. I am still not over this show, the Spelling Bee game show. It was fantastic. He's also one of our talking heads experts. He'll be presenting right after the show. He has his own show for 30 minutes. He's one of our elevated listeners. He and I are doing a new series together about food and our emotions. It started out as going to be a six-part series. I don't know if I told you this, Red, we're up to 12 so far. And he's going to be running a medical panel show with experts from around the world. So I know he's got a, a whole life outside of this. It's hard to believe, but welcome, Red, to the program. Hello. <laughs> yes, it's uh, it's kind of interesting. I got a call a day or two ago, and they said, can I speak today at a luncheon meeting? I said, well, it depends on what time I can get out of there. I said, if you can give me this slot of time, it would be perfect. So it worked out marvelously. I got back here. I set all my uh, green screens up, everything, before I left. So all I had to do was come back and just sit down. And uh, so that worked out very, very nicely. So time-wise, I'm, I'm, I, I had a little scar on my head from some surgery last week. Kind of put me out of sorts for a couple of days. Uh, got back in. Now I'm back running with the wild cows because it's just – Everything's going so well right now. I'm, I'm super happy. Well, I'm happy for you. I know you're full on all the time and you do a great job. And I really enjoy our friendship and I really enjoy working with you as well. So for those people who haven't met you before, we're always having new people, whether it's on TV, radio or podcast. Tell people a little bit about your background. It's extremely impressive. You're very well educated. Uh, you're a veteran. You're a Toastmaster and you're an expert speaker. Tell us more. I fell in love with chemistry sophomore year in high school. I figured that was going to be my degree. It was. I got a bachelor's degree in it. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to practice it because I got an invitation to Vietnam. Uh, went there, came back, unable to really do much of anything with it because I was too many years outside of that. So I ended up in a different field in statistics. And I taught a little bit of that at night. It's college level. I picked up a couple more degrees and I picked up a couple more degrees after that in, in different subjects. I ended up with about five degrees total and seven professional certifications, one of them being a distinguished Toastmaster. Uh, I spent 31 plus years in the Navy, aviator, been to 61 countries. Uh, my wife, I said, I do too, just a couple of days after I said, I do to my first wife, the Navy. And then, so it's been 54 years with my wife and normally she's here watching this show every, every time live, but we have some things going on and she is not with us today. So hopefully she'll get a chance to see the replay. And that being said, I love to research the human body at the cellular level, chemically speaking. I look for cause and effect relationships. Treat a cause, fix a problem, treat a symptom, and you'll always be treating symptoms. And so I write about it. I speak about it. I have five books out there right now, one of them, a best-selling book. And one of the things I do have in my writing is I have almost 1,000 original content articles on LinkedIn, about 1,500 blogs on my website, almost every single one of them with some aspect of health or wellness. I'm focusing primarily in the area of longevity, aging, age-related diseases. 
those are the things that I research, those things I write about, I speak about, I spoke about them today at, uh, at a networking event. And those are the things that, that, that kind of drive my passion when I can find something new and then share that with the world. So those are the things that out there that are driving me. And Dr. Jacqueline mentioned some warm places in the world and here in the Houston, Texas area, it's 83 degrees today. It doesn't get much better than that in the middle of winter. So with that, I'm gonna turn it back over to Dr. Jacqueline. Thank you so much, Red. Uh, always a pleasure. And I'm in Florida and it's in the 80s here too. So yay, <laughs> lucky for us. So I'm going to bring out our guest who uh, is no strangers. I mentioned to our platform, we had a great chat, a great interview not that long ago. And JP is an award-winning author writing addictive supernatural thriller and urban fantasies and has a new book launched in November. We're going to be talking about a number of topics, uh, including what it's like to have people you don't even know come up to you and just start complimenting you, speaking to you about uh, your book. And all of a sudden you are persona, you're in the public light and what that must be like. That'll be one of our topics. Let's welcome JP. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, <laughs> oh. it's, you know, I, I grew up in places where uh, it's cold. I don't miss it. I'm not going back. I just, I'm putting it out there. I'm not going back to the cold. I don't know. I just love the warm weather. Now, this is considered warm for Canada. <laughs> <laughs> what part of Canada are you in? I'm on the West Coast in a, on a little wee island. It's actually a very small island. It's only uh, 20 miles uh, in area with 1300 people. It's just between Vancouver Island and the coast of British Columbia. Okay. Yeah. I've been up oh, in that nice. area, but not on Vancouver, but in that general area of Canada, but it's oh. been a while or oh, quite a while. And thank you for your service. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. And by the way, he's so great to work with as a, a publisher and book coach. He just for anybody out there. Oh my gosh. Where did everyone go? I, I thought maybe I was taking a break. <laughs> no, all of a sudden, everybody just dropped off. That's so weird. I, I don't know what happened. But um, anyway, we're back. <laughs> so, <laughs> so JP, one of the things that I wanted to talk about was your evolution of working full time and not writing and then writing full time and being in the public eye. What has that been like for you? It's been an interesting path, let's say. I, I graduated with a business degree and started working in the public sector doing human resources work. And I loved that work, really enjoyed it. Um, however, I got married and the man that I married traveled extensively with his work. And we had the opportunity to do some traveling together with his work. And I decided I would take a break from working. So I took a break. Um, I, I say I retired, but my friends said, no, actually, you're just unemployed. Um, and, and went through a process of trying to define who I was again, because unbeknownst to me, I had put an awful lot of um, emphasis on identifying who, who I was through the work that I did. And when I no longer had that work and people would ask me, so what do you do for a living? It, um, it was a little depressing. I, did, I didn't really have anything. And I was traveling with my husband at the time, so I didn't even have hobbies outside of the home necessarily other than cooking. And when we returned to our home on Demon Island, I started writing and I wrote uh, been writing full time ever since, and I found a new passion. And I, it wasn't until I found that new passion that I realized how much I was missing in terms of my identity. So, I have gone from, I've changed careers, massively different careers, and love everything about the writing career now. And when I look back, I, I know what that gap was, and it's refreshing to know. It's, it's empowering to know that that is something that's important to me and it will always be important to me. This career will never, ever fade. It will never be taken away from me because I will always be an author. Absolutely. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. And did you think when you, you made this transformation that you would be famous? Oh, no, 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 no. And it's, it's a, it's, I'm still not famous. Um, people know me now that I don't know, but by no stretch am I 
um, famous like like you two are here on my island. People know who I am that I don't know. And that also brings up something else is I am terrible at remembering names, just terrible. And my, my husband laughs at me all the time. I have introduced people using the wrong names. So when people come up to me, I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, oh gosh, I, kn I should know you. I should know your name. <laughs> I can't, it does not come to my head. <laughs> well, you know, it's so funny what you just said, because when, when you said that you're not famous like we are, we, Red and I both started laughing. I certainly don't think I'm famous. Red, do you think you're famous? No, no just in a very, very small group of people, usually my wife and kids. <laughs> so I think uh, whether we're famous or not, I think we all probably don't have the confidence in ourselves to realize if we're out there touching the public in some way or another, then we're doing the right thing. We're, yeah. we're helping people. Yeah. So I, I do. In addition to my own book launch things that I do here and in, in the community off the island, I also participate in, we have a, a read writer festival here on Demon and, and it gets quite a, we get quite a good turnout, quite some, some big names in, um, in, in writing. And, I participate by introducing the local writers. So people see me on stage and a lot of people come to that festival. So I um, was in the hardware store the other day doing something and a woman, she says, oh, you're our famous author. And it was a shock to me. No, she says, well, you're up on stage at the Demon Island Reader Writer Festival. Oh, and that kind of thing happens to me all the time now. People stop me and say, you look familiar. Do I know you? Were you on the CBC? I've never been on the CBC, but I, it's like, were you on the CBC? No, but my picture's been in the paper a little bit. So, um, yeah. <laughs> you feel like a fake. It's, it's like such a impersonator moment, imposter moment. <laughs> but it's true. It's valid. You're touching people's lives and they're connecting with you. Yeah. Well, so far, the only ones that say hi are the ones that are, have a positive connection. <laughs> well, that's but but they think thing. you're an author and not a singer, right? Yes. Yes. That's good. Oh my gosh. I can't sing to save my life. <laughs> I've had people tell me, please don't sing. You know, when you're in the car and you're singing along to a song. <laughs> yes. Don't do that. No. Well, you can write though. So that's what's really, that's really important. What is it that you personally take away when you finish a book? How do you feel? Oh my goodness. It's a tremendous sense of accomplishment when you finish. And that lasts for oh, probably a day or two. And then it's, oh my goodness, now the work has just begun. I didn't know that when I started writing. Like when you type the end, I think the first time I must have celebrated for at least a week. And now that does not last long because that just means, okay, now it's the start of editing, 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 revising, editing, and then marketing. And that is way bigger part of writing a book than actually writing the book. JP, yeah. I got a quick question for you since you have so sure. many books out there and you are you just had a book launch and Dr. Jacqueline and I are having a book launch next week on our first children's book. What have you learned in launching books over the last three or four or five books that are, are really good lessons learned that that you would include the next time you're doing a, a book launch? I would try to get as many reviews as possible on that book so that they come up on the day that the book is made available. I think that the, the, having a constant stream of reviews coming in makes the book rise up in the visibility ranks for the retailers. So that's one really uh, important thing. And also spreading the word. The, the hardest thing for any writer and a new book is finding a large enough audience that you can uh, make a splash with it. So, um, and what you two are doing is fantastic because you're, you're raising the awareness already. And cause I already knew about it. I guess I'd, you know, been watching the show. So I already knew you had a children's book coming out and getting that word out and getting, uh, more visibility for the book is the, the very best thing you can do for it. And that's not easy to do. Are there any particular social medias that you use more than others because of the genre you're in or just because you happen to have a good presence there? Um, I, well, I used to use Twitter. I'm not sure how that's going now. Um, the numbers have been like going way down. I, I've probably, because I have about 50, well, I used to have 50, 
5,600 followers. And now I think it's down to 53 and it's a steady decline every single day that's going down. So I don't know how that's, that's going to work. Not that it ever sold books, but it's not supposed to be about selling books. It's supposed to be about being social and connecting with readers and maybe they will buy a book. Um, Facebook remains a good place to be on. I'm really enjoying Instagram. Uh, it's got the, the one drawback Instagram has is you can put beautiful pictures up. So that would be beneficial for your um, children's book if you've got some pictures and some graphics you can share. It's very eye-catchy, but there are no live links in your posts. People have to go back to your author profile or your, your book page profile in order to have a clickable link. Um, and you can use Linktree and, and that would go out to a bunch of different links, but it's still not as beneficial as say having a bigger Facebook following where when you put something up, uh, a, a pretty graphic or a you know, a, a meme of some kind that people have the ability to click it and it will take them right to some place where they might be able to purchase the book or learn more about the book. And Twitter is the same. It does allow you to have that clickable picture or link in there. So those, those are the ones that I use. Have you used the audio uh, portion of uh, Instagram to do a recording? I have not done it on the phone. I, I, I tend to, I record it on the phone and then I send it to Dropbox because I don't, I don't use a phone very well. I got to say, I'm, I, I'm not comfortable or like, I don't, I don't run around taking pictures of things and putting them up on my Instagram. I, I'm uncomfortable doing it. And I, and I don't know, maybe my thumbs don't work the same way my, my fingers do. So I tend to do it all on my computer, which I don't really think they encourage you to do. They want you to do it all from your phone. So no, I've, I've done it, but only using my computer. And um, oftentimes what I'll do is I'll, I have, I have the um, Adobe versions of Photoshop and the audio, and I will pull it into that and pull a soundtrack down from, from there and, and edit it and put it up. Wow. That's, you're talking about some things I've never done before. I'm always interested in learning. JP, <laughs> um, a question I have for you based on what you just said initially. How do you get the reviews? So the book isn't out yet. How do you get reviews? There's a few re review services you can use. So I, I use two of them. There are two review services. Uh, one's called Book Sprout and one is called Hidden Gems. And depending on what your uh, book is about those are good places to get it they cost it costs money to join those groups and they're not all equally distributed in terms of um, children's books so for you children's books reviews would probably come in from children's groups so if you could get um, a local librarian group that is involved with children or the local schools for example might be able to provide some review services netgalley is another good one and you don't necessarily have to go to NetGalley on your own there are a, a number of um i and i've seen them pop up on uh various writer websites where you know five or six authors go together to get a NetGalley um review service and um i i recently got one uh for 30 dollars, and it was only up for a month but i garnered 15 reviews from it so very very worthwhile thing to, to suss out. And it's going to be different for your genre than it is for mine, for sure. Thank you for sharing that. So I'm just trying to dissect what you said. So they, you join something, some group, and then people write reviews. How did the reviews then get sent to Amazon or wherever? You request that that be done as part of your setup. It will ask you, where do you want reviews posted and how many sites do these people have to post to because those people are getting free books in exchange for reviewing wow. so they will agree to review on amazon or kobo or nook or wherever you want them to review it and they encourage you to only ask for one place because if you ask for amazon kobo and a number of other sites not very many people will be able to fulfill their obligations so they won't they won't read the book but you need to um, identify where is most important that you get a review. So on mine, I, I, I list all the places where they can leave reviews. So they can leave them on Goodreads and BookBub and all of the retailer sites and on Amazon, uh, which is the biggest seller of digital books anyway. And, um, and then they will pick whichever one that they want. And so they're spread out all over the place. Hmm. Fascinating. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. You are very wise. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned a thing or two, I think, uh, the hard way. 
the hard way. The first book came out to crickets, believe me. <laughs> I think my sister said something nice about it. <laughs> <laughs> that is great input. Thank you. Um, you learn so have, much. You yeah, learn so learned. much along the way. Well, you know, something that's interesting on the corner bookstore that we had today, um, I was talking to another author about the fact that the author community is so supportive and authors really help one another, whereas in other industries, it's so competitive and people are always ripping each other down and knocking. This is, is a great thing to share the knowledge that you have. Thank yeah, you. I, I'm a firm believer in that because I remember when I was new and, and I was so impressed and surprised by people who gave me this information. And I I frequently say, and I have the opportunity every once in a while because I do a little bit of teaching now and writing. And every time I have the opportunity, I remind people that your fellow authors, even in your genre, your fellow, fellow authors are, your, are not your competition. They are your cheerleaders. They are the ones that will recommend your book. Readers don't just read one book. They read across genres and many books. So I'm, I love urban fantasy. I love supernatural thrillers. I read everything I can get my hands on. So that means I'm, I can promote everyone else around me that is also writing in that genre because they're then going to promote me. And if I see somebody's got a new book out, I'll share on social media, I'll share whatever information I can to give that person uh, a leg up. It's just the way we are. And it's kind of nice to be in a community that is like this. And it's very much like that. I find it's a lot so of true. authors. It's so positive. Yeah. I find a lot of authors are just open to share anything they have that works and doesn't work. Mm -hmm. you're, you're absolutely right about that, uh, JP, because that is a good group. It's an experienced group and they know what does work, just like you share with us on your uh, reviews. Yeah, yeah. And it's the same whether you're traditionally published or indie published or small press published. Everyone shares. I've approached uh, traditionally published authors. They're, they review my books. They're happy to have me on their podcasts. I can uh, write uh, guest posts for them and vice versa. It is genuinely a good community to be to be a part of and i think if you aren't a genuine member of that community you're probably isolated from it and you don't have you don't get the information that the rest of us get because regardless of how you publish your book you're still doing most of the legwork yourself you are still the one getting reviews you're still the one asking for other authors to blurb your book you're still the one that's doing the bulk of the legwork in terms of getting local coverage for your book and getting people to respond to the events that like sharing them so that people will respond and participate. So it's a, it's a, yeah, said it before. It's a great community to be a part of. Fantastic. Well, I want to hear more about your book. Go smart. Tell us what the reader can take away from it and hopefully you'll read for us as well. <laughs> okay. Um, well, the Ghostmark follows on from Bloodmark. And Bloodmark is the story of a woman who, her name is Jane Walker, and she was born with a ribbon of blood red birthmarks strapping around her body. And the and she also suffers from these debilitating dreams where she sees into the past and she doesn't see pleasant things. She sees terrible things, people doing awful things to one another. And so she, like, beating them up and stuff like that. And so when um, her birthmark starts to disappear, she's about 25 when that happens, she's absolutely thrilled that the birthmark is disappearing. And um, that that thrill lasts about as long as the, the end when you write the book. She finds out that that blood mark, that, that birthmark is actually a blood mark. And once it disappears, the protection that it offers her will be gone. So she has to figure out who and what she's being protected against before that blood mark disappears. And in the second book, the blood mark is gone and uh, she's trucking along with her life um, but these dreams keep happening and now instead of just being a fly on the wall in these dreams she's actually becoming a ghost in the dream so people can see her and she is interacting with uh, the past and she accidentally causes a uh, problem that is uh, a very has a very negative impact on some people that she loves. And so in Ghostmark, she's trying to find a way to fix the mistake that she made when she changed something in the past. And she's searching for the one man who may have turned out better or ended up with a better life given the mistake that she made. And when she finds him, she realizes that not only is he not a better man, 
but he's actually gunning for her boyfriend, the first boyfriend she's ever had. And she has to try to stop him before disaster happens. And one of them gets killed. Wow. <laughs> that is fantastic. I, I don't know why I go to these dark places, but I do. <laughs> I see your book there in the back, The Ghost Mark. I also noticed that Bloodmark has a similar front cover. But mm -hmm. then we have another series of books that the covers are very similar in the, the context of the text and the and the graphic and whatever. So uh, are you the one who has that view of what you want on your cover? Or is this something that comes from a oh, designer? No, 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 no. I, it's a designer. The designer's name is JD&J &J Designs. And I, I believe they're in Florida, actually. Um, uh -huh. they, they've been super good. I, I made the mistake of um, having a very strong opinion about what I thought would look nice on the covers. And the ones you were describing are um, my first series, the, the Gift Legacy series. And there are seven books in that series. This new one only has two books so far. And then there's one novella. Um, the original covers for uh, the, and the, and the original, I had four titles that are different than the first four titles and the first four covers. And let me just get you the book. You can see this is what people are talking about is this one here. And that is an award-winning cover, but it is not the cover it came with originally. And that was all my fault. It's one of these things that you learn. You don't know what you don't know is really big in publishing. <laughs> so I did not know. I, I had a beautiful cover. I hired a very talented um, graphic artist because I knew I wanted a beach scene and I wanted it to be rough and stormy. And she did exactly that. It was gorgeous. All my friends told me it was beautiful, lovely cover. The second book came out. Um, the first book was really titled Awakening. The second book was titled Revelation originally. It's now Hidden hidden Enemy. Um, the third book was called Redemption. And the fourth book was called Penance. And um, I, it took me four books to realize, and, and somebody coming up to me to say, I've been avoiding coming to your table because I thought your books had a religious theme and I'm not looking for a, re a religious theme. And I thought, oh my goodness, he's absolutely right. I've got awakening, redemption, revelation, and penance. And I've got beautiful artsy covers that do not say anything about what the genre is. So it took me a while to find JD&J. And once I found them and started working with them and they uh, produced that cover with that graphic um, or that topography, I knew I'd found the right company. It was perfect. And ever since then, the right people have been coming up to me with the right messages and they're exactly the urban fantasy supernatural thriller person that will enjoy the books. Whereas before that was not happening. And you sold a lot more books after the title changed. You betcha. You okay. You bet. Yeah. Yeah. Almost double, almost wow. double. Amazing. And it was almost immediately. And, and the books had been out for a while. So by the time I recovered them and gave them new titles and put them out, you know, it had a brand new life and it's been going strong ever since. So I'm, you know, if anyone ever questions whether or not they should be changing their covers or their title, it's get a second opinion on it for sure. Because in my case, at least, it was definitely, definitely worthwhile. Let's take a look at your website so we can see all of the covers together. I think that would be fun. And okay, so here we are. Shall I go over to books? Oh, go to, yeah, go to um, about and then go down to the gift legacy. So those are the books uh, on the right hand side. You'll see, well, they're, they're pretty small, but if you keep going down, you'll get a, you'll get the tight, you'll get the covers. So that's Secret Sky and there's Hidden Enemy, books one and two. And if people are super interested, they could go to my web website and you will find I've got notable dates and you will see the old covers beside the new covers. And you can see, um, that's one of my favorites, Lethal Waters. That's actually the Granville Street Bridge, and that's the character flying off the bridge or about to fly off the bridge, because this is a secret society of people who can fly, what this series is. Hmm. Very cool. And where can we go to see the old book covers compared to the new ones? If you go up to the, <laughs> you're testing my memory here. <laughs> if you, let me just see the cover. Okay, go up to the media tab. Okay. And, uh, Fast facts, and then fly down through here. You'll see, yeah, it's quite a ways down. 
This, lots yeah. and lots of awards. There, there's okay. So there's Lover Betrayed's original cover. Uh, yeah. Wow. What a difference it does make. Yeah. And then you'll keep going. You'll see the other ones. That that was a graveyard in um, uh, New Orleans. Yeah. You know, I was looking that. I was trying to to see what are the emotions that are coming up for me when I look at the old one versus the new one. There's the old penance versus Letha Waters. Red was like, for you. Is that New Orleans also? No, this is Vancouver. These books okay. are set in Vancouver in BC. So that's one of the bridges that the people know that bridge in Vancouver. It's the Granville Street Bridge. But I mean, the scene of a bridge and water underneath it doesn't tell you anything. It doesn't tell you a thing about the book. Yeah, the new covers are, are very powerful. That's when Secret Sky won the Kobo cover contest. There's Burning Lies. And this was um, Bodega Bay, because Burning Lies, a big part of it takes place down in Bodega Bay. And that's maybe one of the most effective in terms of the mood and the, you know, it's it's not a serene little beach scene. It's it's actually a pretty uh, dark story in Burning Lies. Now, when you started with the Secret Sky or whatever the, the first book was, you knew you were going to have five or six or seven or eight or nine follow-on books or as you were oh, writing no. these things? Oh, no, <laughs> I had no idea. So when I started, I was just playing with words and enjoying the process of telling a story. And I didn't have an outline. I started with a scene and expanded that scene out. And it took a while, you know, to get to the point where I thought, wow, I might actually have a book here. And I thought I was writing a book. There's the original awakening. Um, so I, I wrote that one book, but when I finished the book and after I had gone through, you know, another year of editing and rewriting it, um, I missed the characters. I really missed writing. So I just started writing more and I carried those characters on into what would be the next journey that they would take and um, had such fun doing it. But I realized I'd better call it a trilogy because I kind of thought there were three books. So I started calling it a trilogy. Um, the gift trilogy. And, um, and then when I finished the third book, I actually hadn't even finished the third book. And I knew I had at least a fourth, probably a fifth book. So then I rebranded it once again. And instead of calling it the gift trilogy, I then started calling it the gift legacy. Um, and, and yeah, six books later, and then the, the book with the tug on the front and the guys figure, that is actually this first book written from her lover's perspective. So this one is Secret Sky, uh, Lover Betrayed is the same story, but what I did was I stripped the story down to only scenes where the two characters were in it or um, inter interacting in some way, even if it was just over the phone. I took everything else away and then I rebuilt the story from his perspective. I started it in New Orleans way earlier and I ended it back in New Orleans way later than Secret Sky. And that was such fun. It really let me play with the notion that women and men interpret things so differently. We can misinterpret things really differently, depending on what's in our thoughts at the time. You, you know, it's your filter through which you hear things. And so when, um, when a woman wants to feel appreciated and loved, she hears something different than what a man who may be trying to escape hears. Mm -hmm. it, it was fun to do. It, it's a really, I enjoy that uh, that kind of antagonistic possibility between the two characters. So that's what that one is. Is that the only book you've done that in? Yeah, so far, so far. Yeah, it is. And and this uh, original series, uh, it was first person perspective from that one character. Her name is Emmeline Taylor. She does the whole series except for that um, one book. With the new series, I decided to challenge myself. So instead of doing um, one character in first person perspective, I do three characters in third person perspective. And that's been a huge challenge, um, not just to change the style of writing, but to weave those three stories together so that everything that happens happens in the right order to turn it into a really twisty tale. Going from first person to third person, that's pretty difficult. Yeah. It, took a while to not sound stiff. You know how like when you first start, it's I, I, I in first person and it's like she, she, her, her. 
in in third person. So it took a while to 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 fix that. But um, but yeah, it's it's um, it's it's a fun well fun series. I'm not sure I'd say fun it, because it has uh, dark themes, but it is uh, entertaining. And it, it's this one's super fast paced. It really takes you through the the mo the the book the story quite quite quickly once you get into it. You're going to read for us, yes? Sure, Perfect. sure. What I wanted to share was when I was looking at the old book covers versus the new ones, in each case, I was feeling that the, the old book cover looked like an actual scene of some place that I could go and visit. And when I looked at the new book cover, I felt like it was a place I could escape to. I felt like that I could actually leave my real world and escape to another world. So I, so kudos to you. I think there's a major power of those new covers. Well, I thank you. Thank, like I, I, I'd love to take credit, but I actually can't. <laughs> <laughs> but thank weird. you. It was on the team, right? That makes a big difference. Like yeah. I've got this guy right here. So, yeah. but you had to approve the final version. So yes, they're yours. Yeah, I did. I did. And and we there was a lot of back and forth, especially for the very first one because I really wanted to make it stand out. But ever since then, they've been amazing. It. I can't believe they can take. Like I think I write a paragraph. I write a paragraph. Um, about the summary of the book and then I I give him like what one character might look like and then he runs with it he found he found like a, I don't know blood mark he found this this model and it's just perfect for that story just perfect and the second one is in this series is just as good I, I really really think they do a tremendous job what will you be reading from today well since I read from ghost mark when I was on the corner bookstore mm -hmm. I thought I would read from Bloodmark today. Perfect. Is that okay? Yes, absolutely. All right. So I already told you a little bit about the book. So this woman is born with this blood red birthmark and <clears throat> she's abandoned at birth. So she grows up in the child welfare system and she has a very uh, fierce friend in uh, Sadie. They grew up together in the system. So they defend each other and um, they live together now. They've made their way out of the downtown east side rooming house and they're in an apartment. And this is uh, just after Jane has been downtown to a bar to rescue Sadie, who is drunk as a skunk. And so she's just coming into the house now with Sadie. And this is Jane's chapter. Jane parked in Sadie's spot behind the Victorian house she and Sadie called home. The Kitsilano mansion had dodged the wrecking ball of the 60s, but not the callous renovations of the 70s that left its old bones mutilated. They descended a couple of steps and made their way down the dimly lit hallway. They shared a small one-bedroom apartment. First one home in the evening got the bed. She slipped her key in the lock and gave the door a shove, comforted by the heft of the steel against her shoulder. Sadie staggered in ahead of her. Jane turned the lock and shot the two bolt locks. Thieves would find the sparse apartment a waste of their efforts, but the locks weren't to dissuade thieves. She helped Sadie to bed and tucked her under the sheet. The mattress and box spring rested on the floor beside an old table lamp that Sadie rescued from a dumpster. Back in the living room, she double-checked the bolt locks. She'd gotten a deal on the door from a demolition warehouse but would have paid full price if she had to. She changed into her sleep pants and an old cotton work shirt and settled on the sofa, drawing a quilt up under her arms. Her thoughts drifted to Ethan. Ethan Bryce was the only man Jane could remember whose gaze didn't skitter to the left of her face when he looked at her. It was as if he didn't see her birthmarks, or that one anyway. Port wine stains, the doctors had called them though they hadn't shared with her that they'd never seen specimens so uniform or extensive. The stains strapped her body. Jane rolled over and gave in to the sleep that tugged at her. With the door bolted, the dreams could come. Not that she could stop them. They came when they wanted, without warning or apology. Vivid dreams that she could recall in painstaking detail, even when she didn't want to. And when the dreams came, Nothing could wake her until they'd run their course. That's a short one. Please keep reading. I'm like, what? No, give me more. <laughs> All righty. Okay. This is a visiting dream. This, these are the dreams that James ha Jane has. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jane finds herself in a hospital room. 
the young woman in the room is pacing. She's been in Jane's dreams before. Her name is Rebecca Morrow. Jane read it on an envelope in an earlier dream. That time, Jane had been in Rebecca's tiny apartment, where Rebecca had been all smiles, snuggling with a man who had a rumbling laugh. This time, Rebecca's demeanor is furtive, guarded. Her hair is long and in need of washing. She wears two hospital gowns, one open in the back, and over it, one open in the front. Surgical socks cover her feet. She's folded her arms tightly across her chest, pulling her shoulders into a hunch. Her circuit takes her from the wire-meshed, reinforced window to the bed to the open door. Jane doesn't know why she's here with Rebecca. She scans the room, looking for clues. Only a hospital bed and a padded chair furnish the space. No personal belongings, no warmth, no sharp edges. Austere. Jane senses it's a psych warp. She wants to leave, but she's stuck in the dream. It will release her when it wants to, and no sooner. Jane breathes deeply, forcing herself to control the sense of helplessness these dreams bring on. She watches Rebecca sleep until her attention is drawn to the doorway. A doctor, if the white coat is any indication, approaches the bed. The man's hair is short and gelled. He's handsome. Tassels adorn his shoes, and his fine wool slacks have sharp creases. He studies Rebecca's face while she sleeps, adjusts her blanket, then touches her cheek with his fingertips. Jane woke with a start. Her dreams always ended abruptly. At least this one hadn't left her retching or screaming. Jane rolled over and bunched up the thin pillow. She thought about the doctor's gesture as she drifted to sleep. It felt off, inappropriate. Jane wanted to believe the doctor's caress stopped at Rebecca's cheek, but she wasn't that naive anymore. Her dreams had seen to that. People carried out unthinkable deeds in her dreams when they thought no one was watching. Dreams Jane wished she could forget. All right. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> that was excellent. I love the way you read it, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. You, you, you read it. Yeah. <laughs> I was say, you read it so many times I, and, and really funny I tried to <clears throat> record me reading the first chapters of the books you would think given that I have read them dozens of times and wrote them that I would be able to get through a chapter without messing it up <laughs> no way no way I, like I have such I have such um, praise for newscasters that do this every night. And, and you two probably have the exact same experience where you're constantly in front of the public reading things off of prompters or whatever and never make mistakes. And me, oh, every sentence. So it's like I mispronounce something or I forget the had word in the middle there. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. On the, the show, The Corner Bookstore, the, the guest name was Cindy. And her character in her book was Sandy. So I welcomed her as Sandy instead of Cindy. So sounds <laughs> <laughs> like something I'd do. Yeah. <laughs> Red, you were going to say something? I was going to say, I, I sometimes don't have a problem with that. But as I'm explaining something, you know, this other thought will come in. I, I want to include that. And then I start to include it. And then I can't remember a specific chemical or molecule or, or something, the name of. And I said, and I, it just, it just, it won't come. And it's not that it was needed, but it was, I thought it would amplify. So yes, I have a similar problem, but it's my own making because I reach out for something that's not in the view of what I have that I need to talk about, but it's something that I think is really important should be included. And I can say nine out of 10 times it works fine, but there's always that one or two times it seems, uh, and my wife says, you should work, you know, do all that stuff ahead of time. So, well, normally I do, I, I look through these things, but then all of a sudden, they really need to know about this other thing. And I didn't realize that the first three or four or five times I read through it. So, so yes, I, I have similar problems, but not from a teleprompter, from my mind prompter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we're all human. That's what I'm taking away from that. So, <laughs> JP, it's been so much fun having you here today. And the time has just flown by. We're, we're leading up into Red's time for his Talking Heads program. What would you like people to take away from reading your latest book and how can they get in touch with you? They can get in touch with me through my website. Everything is on there. You can sign up for some uh, free short stories and you can get the first free 
uh, the first chapters of all my books, you can download them. That website is uh, jpmcclainauthor.com. And um, I have a special today, like um, Bloodmark is on for 99 cents, the ebook. And it's only gonna be on 99 cents for a few more days. So grab your copy while you can. And uh, the new book, Ghost, Ghostmark, that follows it up, came out November 1st. And I would encourage you to check out at least the look inside because it is a very strong follow-up to Ghostmark. Fantastic. Fantastic. I'm just thinking, JP, would you be able to just type that into the chat, uh, the offer that you have? And then this way we can put it out there and people can have it to remember. Because as you know, things come in our mind and then they go right out. And for, those, <laughs> and for those people who are listening, JP McLean, McLean is M-C-L-E-A-N McLean. So jpmcleanauthor.com. Thank you. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. And it's 99 cents everywhere. It's wide. So you can find it on Kobo and um, Nook and all the subscription services that you normally would get that. And, and Amazon, of course. Fantastic. Thank you. I'm going to just put that up here. There you go. Bloodmark is now 99 cents. So head over to jpmcleanauthor.com and get your copy now. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you again. It was a pleasure seeing you and we'll look forward to having you come back again. And I'm sure you've got another book coming up soon, right? I, I hope so. I hope so. Thank <laughs> you, you, Dr. Jackson. Thank you, Rick. The public wants you, so. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, Thank JP. Really appreciate it. Oh, nice to be here. Take care. Bye for now. Thanks. Bye now. And Red, how can people get in touch with you? And what will you be speaking about today on Talking Heads? On Talking Heads, this is number six out of six presentations on brain health and mental illness. Today is a simple summary. We're just going to go back and just in general terms, talk about brain health, unhealthy brains, some little bit about mental illness, and some options that are not necessarily prescription, but because the causes are so different, but the symptoms are so similar that maybe something might work, maybe it might not. You still have to go see your doctor. But these are things that you can take to your doctor and say, what if I did this? And that's that's the whole purpose of my program is awareness, education, being able to allow you to take some action to, to make a change in your life. So today we're talking about brain health and mental illness, uh, number six of six. And that will be starting literally in about 10 minutes. And to reach me, the easiest way is my website, red, like the color, R-E-D, O-L-A-U-G-H-L-I-N. O -L -A -U -G -H -L -I -N. So it's redoloughlin.com. All my contact information is there. And uh, welcome a phone call or an email. Just uh, if you got a question, you know, send it to me and we'll figure out how to make it happen. Take care. All right. Thank you so much, Red. I'll let you get over to the other studio and I'll close out the show. Bye for yeah. now. Fantastic. Catch you later, Dr. Jacqueline. Bye now. Okay, bye. All right, I just want to share a few quick messages and then I'll be running off to produce the other show. So if you're not aware, we have our newsletter, which is the Global Post magazine, where we feature people just like JP and, and others in our newsletter. So if you haven't subscribed, please go over to our website, usaglobaltv.com. We actually just launched our newsletter yesterday. We have some new team members here. Everyone has the opportunity to join our team by becoming a certified elevated listener. Maria Rusova is in London and she has her own fashion line, which is Moda de la Maria. And she has a sustainable fashion line. She specializes in tweeds as well as Silk, and she is now one of our team members. We also have Maria Eduardo. She's in St. Martin, and she has her own catering business. She's also a Toastmaster, and she has joined our team. So welcome to both of them. We have a new show called The Listening Post. It's a TV show celebrating elevated listening. In case you're wondering, I'm all about listening at an elevated level, and this show is for our team members who are elevated elevated listeners. And it's just me and them having a chat just about real things in life. We have some special opportunities that courses our team members have put together that are available for the public. Chakra Psychology and the Healing Journey with Caroline Heward. She's over in London and she is known as the Harley Street Stress Expert. She helps people 
bust their stress. We also have the power of listening with Dr. Madeline Chan. This particular course, there's a guided meditation. You also will be planting seeds, getting your hands in the soil and putting together your own personal shrine. This is not a religious shrine. This is with collectibles. It could be crystals, flowers, trees, bark, anything that means something to you. And it's really helping you find that inner peace and that connection with nature. All of our courses are available at the same place, which I'll put into the comments, but it's drjacqueline.thinkific.com slash collections. We also have setting boundaries and asking for permission. What does this mean? Well, when you are an elevated listener and you have the skills, you can't be listening at an elevated level all the time. Why? Because you have a life. So you can't just be available at a certain time that somebody wants you, people learn how to set boundaries and ask for permission. Susan, I have something to share with you. Would this be a good time? Actually, this isn't a great time for me right now, but in about an hour, I can give you my undivided attention. How would that be? So that's what that course is all about. And of course, our certification course, which is normally $257, is now $39. It's the power of listening. This is how you get to be a team member. It's a two-hour online course on demand. Take it at your leisure. You will watch role plays that were done from uh, actors as well as our team members. You'll be able to identify effective and ineffective patterns of listening behavior. Why is this important? Because people are not getting along. People are arguing, they're over talking, they're judging. And the one that drives me crazy is when people are providing a solution. You're telling them a story and all of a sudden they interrupt you and go, I know, I have the answer you're looking for. I didn't ask you for a solution. I just asked you to listen. What else do we do? We make judgments. I'm talking about something and you hear a certain word. Oh, I'm a Republican. I'm a Democrat. I'm pro-abortion. I'm against abortion. And all of a sudden, you're no longer listening because you have now judged the other person. So what I try to do, what our team tries to do is to give you the opportunity to watch interactions that are dysfunctional and then watch interactions that are highly productive where people are listening at a high level. So if you'd like to join our team, that's all you have to do is to get certified in this course. And again, it's drjacqueline.thinkific.com slash collections. All right. Thank you for listening. And Red will be right back. Take care, everyone. Bye for now. 